and welcome back to another episode of the Year of Polygamy podcast. This is your host, Lindsay. And today is a really fun day because I'm talking with people that I admire and I think are really a great representation of the subject we're going to talk about. But of course, I don't know them very well, just what I've seen and interacted with. I've been really impressed with how uh, the Winder family, who I'm going to be inter- interviewing today, have practice the principle of plural marriage. So I first encountered Colton Winder. Colton, when did I first, how did we meet? Was it just online? Was it through the podcast? I think it was just online, yeah. I think, yeah. It was I think when when you were, did I know you when you guys were all married or was it, were you just married to Tam? It might have been right after we just married Sophie, maybe just a few months before even. Well, I'm just going to, we're going to get into your story and I want you to introduce everybody, but I, I became kind of fascinated with you because one of the, one of my favorite things about being your Facebook friend is that you farm down in Southern Utah and you take literally the most beautiful photos, your photos of farming. They're just, I'm, I'm writing the biography of Juanita Brooks right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she lived in Hurricane for a time in, in St. George and it's just, it's lovely. And you guys seem to have made this life work. But another fascination of mine is I think you guys are all young and beautiful and you don't fit the stereotype of the women coerced or kidnapped into polygamy either. So I wanted, I want to talk about all that. So um, why don't you guys start? I don't know uh, who wants to start um, introducing all of you. Maybe we go just sort of around the circle. Tammy, can we start with you? Yeah, um, I'm Tammy Wonder, I'm Colton's first wife, and we've been married for 10 years now. And um, in year eight of our marriage, we decided that we were going to try and give polygamy a shot. And we... Okay. You're seven now, sorry. <laughs> I, like, I like even years. <laughs> All right. So we decided into year seven of our marriage that we um, were going to try and give polygamy a shot. And we met Sophie shortly after that and got married to Sophie. Amazing. Okay. And, and Tammy, did you, were you born and raised LDS? What Mormon tradition do you come from? Yeah, I was born and raised in the LDS church in Southern Utah. I've been here my whole life. And Okay, perfect. Colton, how about you? Uh, let's start with where you're born and raised from, what you grew up in, and kind of lead us to where you're sitting now. So I was uh, I was born in Phoenix, actually, but my family has been in southern Utah for, I think, like eight generations now. So we've been here for a long time. I was born in Phoenix, uh, but my family has been in southern Utah for a long time. My dad was just going to college down there. Um, but yeah, my family's been here for eight generations, so I was happy to move back home. And just growing up, I spent most of my time here. Born and raised in the LDS Church, long history, family history in the church. Don't you descend back to John D. Lee? Did I see that? Yeah, so John D. Lee is, I think, my sixth, five, five greats, five great grandfather, fifth great grandfather. Yeah, so. so we go we go back to the same people. I I come from the Levitts, so I understand. Oh, Sophie does too. Oh, cool. So, are you sure? Yeah, your grandma told me. Okay. You know, more genealogy than I do. <laughs> all of the Southern Utah families, you you know, they kind of all tie together. So. Colton and I are tied. Yeah, Tammy and I are 
have some relations. Or what line do you know? Uh, yeah, the Durfee's, um, oh, what's his name? Edmund Durfee yeah. was, he was one that was martyred in Nauvoo, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where we go back to. Is that the same person you're related mm, to? I'm Jack Aldrich. Uh, same family, yeah. I'm related to Tama Durfee. Colton was Edmund, they were sisters. No, I was Abraham, but oh, they were Abraham. children. They were children of that. Anyways. Yeah, oh, lots wow. of family. <laughs> so Mormon. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I was raised in the LDS church, um, went on a mission to the Czech Republic for two years. When we came home, Tammy and I, after we were married, we actually worked in the temple for three years as ordinance workers. What temple? St. George. Oh, cool. I think we were the sixth generation in our family to get skilled in the particular ceiling room in the St. Mm-hmm. George temple. That was pretty neat. But. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to get into how all that started. But Sophie, to tell us about your background, because my understanding is you didn't grow up LDS, right? But Mormon. So I grew up in part part of the AUB and part of the LDS church. I was baptized into the LDS church when I was eight. And then I, but mostly because we didn't live close to the AUB. Um, so my grandmother was converted into the AUB and was a plural wife. And then my mom was a plural wife when she had me. And then, um, just given my life circumstances, I joined the LDS church, was a part of it when I got old enough. Um, I got baptized into the AUB when I was 18. And, um, so I've kind of been affiliated with both of them. But yeah, so I'm a third generation plural wife. Are you comfortable telling how many moms you have? How many my mom, my mom was a second wife when she had me, and um, then my mom and my dad got divorced. Um, but my dad currently has three wives. Okay, cool. And I'm assuming the rest of you only have one mother. Yeah. Yep. I mean, whenever I talk to my FLDS friends, I love asking them this question because I love the idea that they had many mothers to choose from. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, Sophie, anything else you want to tell us? I sort of cut you off. Nope, I think that's. Colton has the most interesting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's got more things on his resume of, of things that he's done. Well, I don't know if that's true. Uh, one thing that you're, you guys can all share is that you have been your TV stars now. You've been um, on Seeking Sister Wives. You guys are sort of started out independent Mormon fundamentalists, which means you haven't affiliated with a group. And we can talk about your whole, you know, evolution and where you guys are at. But why don't we back up to talk about, do you think it's a good start to talk about Tammy and Colton, your marriage and your experience with the LDS church and how you sort of shifted into polygamy? Because as some listeners should know by now, the LDS church doesn't teach that and encourage that anymore. And so... The idea that two young, good-looking, Tammy, you're beautiful, uh, you know, LDS, and Colton, you're great, too, uh, <laughs> would, would join, you know, polygamy. I, I think there's this misconception it's all these old patriarchs forcing people into it. So let's start with that, and then I want to talk about Sophie and, and how she um, joins this story. Okay. For me... You know, I grew up in the same sort of LDS, I guess, belief about polygamy that a lot of people do. You know, I heard the stories about how it was a good way to support widows. It was a good way to support orphans. You know, it was really more of a welfare thing was kind of what I was taught from childhood. 
Um, and then the history that I was taught, you know, in seminary and church was that after 1890, there was no plural marriage. You know, that was that was the end of it. And I know a lot of other people were taught that as well. And when I was about 15 years old, I started looking at some of my family history. And I found a story of a great-great-grandfather that had lived in Utah, um, actually on the Arizona Strip. And then after the manifesto, he moved to Mexico. And while he was in Mexico, he married another wife. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I mean, that sort of shocked me a little bit because I was under the understanding that there were no plural marriages after 1890. And um, that was kind of what sort of started me down the rabbit hole, I guess you could say. You know the year of his marriage? It was, I think it was in 1890, but it was after the manifesto, like late 1890, maybe early 1891, somewhere in there. Kudos for you at 15 for picking that up, because I would come across that history and then just the dates go right over my head. I had no idea. Yeah, so, and that was kind of what sort of started me questioning things, I guess. I started looking at more family history and at some of their beliefs. And, you know, I realized that all of my ancestors that lived plural marriage, there might have only been a few of them that actually had ever married, you know, widows with children or anything like that. It was, you know, and I guess it just started to to paint this very different picture of plural marriage than what I had been taught um, you know, while I was growing up. I don't know if you want to talk about how you... Yeah, for me, I it was actually sort of similar for me. Um, when I was about 16, um, I remember being at a girls' camp, and I'd read some books um, about polygamy, and, and one of them, are, are we allowed to say, I guess we are on here, huh? You can say books, can't you? Like the name books of a book, things? it's not. There's no like commercial. <laughs> we're used to television. No, I, in fact, authors love it when you mention their book. So mention their book as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I had read a book called The Bishop's Horse Race, and it has a, the main character is a polygamist, and it was the first of any kind of reading material that I'd ever had that had a positive take on polygamy. And so that really got me thinking about it with the history of the church and, and plural marriage in the church and everything. And so I, I started reading about it more and thinking about it. And then uh, I was at a girls camp and we had been told to kind of go off. We'd gone into the mountains for the camp and we were told to kind of find a quiet spot by ourselves to just ponder and think about a principle of the gospel that we wanted to um, understand better or gain a testimony of or anything like that. And so I actually ended up choosing that principle because it used to be a principle in the church, even though it wasn't one we lived anymore. And so I kind of had started getting from that the base of my testimony of plural marriage and started looking into it more after that point. And um, when Colton and I got married, it wasn't something that we ever talked about. We didn't bring up that topic of I believe in polygamy until after we got married and we got it started got getting talking about it and realized that we believe the same thing with it. And, you know, years, seven years went by with us believing that and going, well, you know, we believe in this, but it's never going to happen. It's not something you can do anymore until we got to a point where we just felt like we had strong enough testimonies about 
plural marriage being a principle of the gospel that it just felt like we were lying to ourselves and everyone else by not living that. So at that point, we decided we were just going to put ourselves out there. And if we found someone that fit in our family, we would take that kind of as a sign from God that that's the path we're supposed to be on. And if we didn't, then we would take that as a sign that it's not supposed to happen right now in life. And we're just going to kind of put that away. Well, about what was it a month later? It was about a month later and we met Sophie. <laughs> so it was a pretty big, just you know, like this moment for me, at least that it was like, this is what we're supposed to do. So Tammy, can I ask you some questions about that? Cause um, your experience and my experience seems similar. Like I remember those same girls camp activities. And as you were talking about it, I remembered my own, like going out, under these quakey aspen trees and praying, you know, and reading my scriptures. I, I never struggled with polygamy though, until I was married. So how, how come this to you was a thing of peace and not pain? Like when you, when you heard about it, how did you experience, I guess, this issue? Did you struggle with it? Were you uncomfortable with it? Did it make you angry or upset or was it a different experience? For me, when I when I first started looking into polygamy and plural marriage in the church, um, I was just really confused by the contradictions of it. That uh, you know, it, everyone in the church talks about how horrible plural marriage was, and how I mean, it, it's almost this shameful thing that we like try and hide the past of. Uh, you know, like, we did love plural marriage at one point, but we don't anymore, and that's the end of it. And that was just really confusing to me because of the things that I had read, journals and and different things like that. They they didn't have, they didn't sound horrible and bad. Like I was just really confused about that, which is what sparked my research, I guess, into it. And and reading the scriptures too, talking about the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac, and and this is, you know, the only, you know, I don't know. I just there was a, it just felt really uh, contradicting to me to have the scriptures talk about it and and you know the early prophets of the church talk about how important plural marriage was and then just a few generations after that for it to be this shameful thing was really confusing to me got it okay and colton so you talked about i mean you're on the lds track too and you're it's what you both share in common is around 15 and 16 years old you guys are kicking around these ideas, right? Did you guys know each other? Like, did you meet in high school or did you meet after? Our grandparents ran cattle together. So, and my parents went to school with her parents and her dad was my science teacher in middle school. So I've known her family for a long time. Um, Colton was just about a year too old for me though. So he was always a year so I was graduating from high school right as she was coming into the high school. So yeah. I never actually knew Tammy when we were younger. But you both um, had a, that's interesting that you both at, as teenagers were kicking that around. So Colton, did you encounter, I don't know, dissonance, I guess, when you were like on your mission or as you were going through this and people are asking you about, did people ask you about polygamy in the Czech Republic? They did a little bit. I don't think for most people that was really something that came about a lot. I remember when Warren Jeffs, I think Warren Jeffs was arrested right before I went on my mission. 
and his trial was happening while I was out there because I remember somebody coming to me asking why we would choose to follow somebody like Warren Jeffs. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I, I definitely had a lot of cognitive dissonance over it while I was serving my mission. And just for listeners tuning in, if this, especially if this is their first time listening to an episode, uh, you didn't follow Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs was a different breakoff group for Mormonism. That's why we're laughing. We're not like, oh, oh, oh that Warren Jeffs, that scamp. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate, but no, we, yeah, we didn't follow Warren Jeffs. So, okay, yeah, so there was- you got married and you start talking about. How is this conversation not painful for you? Because for me, it was like, oh, shoot, now I have to share. (laughs) What are your feelings on sharing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, at that point, I had read enough about it from journals and things like that that I felt like it was completely doable with the right outlook. And one of the things that I love to talk about is jealousy. Every, well, Colton and Sophie know I love this one. But for me, jealousy is a building block emotion is what I call it. Because I feel like if you have a feeling of jealousy, there's something else going on. There's some other need that isn't being met that you need to address. And once you address it, that jealousy is no longer there because jealousy is, you know, that feeling is based off of you feeling like you have a need or something that is not being met, especially if you feel like someone else is getting that and you're not. Um, so I'd, I've always felt that way about jealousy. So the idea to me of sharing um, wasn't really that huge of an issue, especially in the beginning when it was like, well, you know, I think I'd be okay with sharing, but it's never going to happen, right? So, it's a, you know, I've got time to think about it. So that was kind of in the beginning, at least. And then my my issue was uh, not just sharing, but like the unfairness of I have to share, but he doesn't. Right. Did that bother mm-hmm. you? Um, no, that one actually hasn't ever bothered me. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like the idea that, that he gets something because I feel like I get something from this relationship as well. It's not a physical relationship, but I have a really good companionship with Sophie, a really good friendship. And, you know, Colton with his farming is gone a lot. And that was something that I struggled with um, when it was just the two of us is that he would be gone late at night and I would just be home alone because I couldn't go out with him for some reason. And it's going, well, you know, if I had a sister wife, then I'd have at least have a friend here with me. And so for me, I've never viewed it as, um, you know, he gets something and I don't because I do get something. It's just a little different than, you know, what he has. And I could see somebody really being, like, annoyed by that disparity if if sex was all you were thinking about in the relationship. And that's I think that's perfectly understandable. Um, you know, and I can definitely see people that feel that way about it. But for us, it's I guess it's just about so much more to us than than that. So, but we definitely see that there is, you know, that there is a disparity there. Well, so before we get into Sophie and how she fits into the story, I want to hear a little bit more about you guys gaining a testimony, because I think what a lot of my listeners are going to hear, especially a lot of them are LDS. They're just going to be like, how? Like you had it made, you had the monogamy. That's what the polygamists are trying to escape to. 
why would you why would you join why would you join that so can you we already sort of talked about some of your social reasons but can we talk about the spiritual ones i don't expect you to say anything that's too personal i remember sitting in the temple one day and um talking with some of the older temple workers about dnc 132 and uh, some of their understandings of it because you know when i was a temple worker we had a lot of downtime to just sit in the temple study and you know, talk about the gospel and whatnot, you know, ponder the eternities, that sort of thing. And I just realized talking with them, how much the perception of plural marriage had shifted from when they were young to when I was growing up, you know, because for them, their belief was very much that it is a true doctrine and it will return someday. And so, you know, I kind of just got to the point where I was thinking about that and I was pondering this idea that, you know, so much had shifted in a church and I needed to figure out for myself what what the answer was, if this was actually supposed to be part of the gospel or if it was just a big mistake that we should forget and hide and you know and ignore. Um, I mean I guess that's that's kind of how I really got started on it. But you know, there was obviously a lot of fasting and praying and when I was in pharmacy school I think was when we really kind of started to struggle with that question. It was after Tammy and I had been married and, you know, we talked about our belief in plural marriage by that point in time. And it just kind of got to the point where I felt like we either had to choose to stay in the church and reject plural marriage as a doctrine, or we had to accept that it was a true part of the gospel and accepting it after studying what we had studied, you know, the words of John Taylor, for example, saying that if the church gave it up, the priesthood would depart and, and all that, you know, I think it really just came down to that sort of dilemma of do we stay in the church or do we accept that this is part of the gospel and leave the church? And um, that was probably some of the hardest years of my life. And it was compounded by the fact that I also was suffering from really major depression at the time. And all of the anxiety of pharmacy school was certainly not helpful either. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we came out of that with this belief that if we felt like it was part of the gospel, then God expected us to live up to it. Um, so that's how it was for me. Yeah, for me, you know, I for me, it started out as just trying to figure out the confusion. And for me, that I felt like some of the scriptures and, and prophets, you know, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and, you know, those older prophets um, talk about polygamy being a necessary doctrine that you have to live by in order to reach the celestial kingdom and all that and then the contradiction of polygamy is sin basically you shouldn't do it um so that's what started me on that and and i came to the belief of plural marriage before i met colton and we got married but again it was more of the uh for me i guess in my search and my my praying and everything, I came to the belief of plural marriage has to be a true doctrine because you know the scriptures say that that God doesn't change His doctrines don't change, and if that's the case, then plural marriage has to be a true doctrine. Okay, I accept that, and I you know also accept that we're not supposed to live it right now. And then as we you know went and the different things working in the temple and talking with Colton and continuing to study and pray and along that, that path 
just that testimony strengthening and feeling like we, you know, just, I guess I just felt like we were supposed to be living this way before, you know, what I guess in this lifetime is what I'm saying. And, and not just this potential of, you know, someday we might live it in heaven or something. But I felt like if this life is a trial and, and it's a test and we're supposed to learn what we can here, polygamy is kind of that ultimate refining fire. And what's the point of reaching heaven and not doing that? And I, so for me, it was the same of, of trying to figure that out and just feeling like we we needed to try and do this now rather than later. So when you guys decide to do it, do you, can you talk about the impact that had, how people responded to that, what that was like? When we first married Sophie, we were actually really quiet about it. Nobody um, found out until about, I mean, almost a year later. Almost a year later. <laughs> okay. Well then let's, let's back up for a minute and let's talk about Sophie. How, how do you get introduced to these guys and where are you at currently in your life when this happens? Um, so growing up, I, I'll do this quick, but, um, my mom was a second wife, so I had already been introduced to the concept of it. Um, but my mom was, she divorced my, uh, I guess, you know, in the sense of the word, she was a plural wife. She was never legally married, but, she uh, separated from my biological father when I was one. So I was raised mostly just by a single mom. And that's why the LDS church played a big part in my life was because they kind of helped raise me. I always went to LDS functions. So by the time I was about 16 years old, I could drive. I had the decision of whether I would continue to just be a part of the LDS church or whether I would go to... Um, the AUB group and start affiliating myself with them and deciding, okay, well, am I going to be a polygamist? And really it was just that question I asked myself and I'm like, okay, should I stay here or should I go there? I was about an hour away from um, the AUB church and I just felt like I was supposed to go to the AUB. So in that decision, it was just the feeling and the praying about it. Um, so then fast forward, I continued to live my life and I continued to be affiliated from a distance because we didn't live near the group. But now I'm 24 and I'm an old maid and <laughs> I'm not 24 currently. No, fast forward to this to point. When you were 24. Right. So, so then I am 24 and I haven't found anybody. I actually lived with my grandma at the time we were renting a house together and um her and I like to talk gospel and I realize it's been a long time that we haven't had you know good religious talks together and so I just was talking to her about wanting to find like-minded believers to talk the gospel with um all in this same week, I also decided that I'm like this old maid and I'm just not going to get married because I don't want to just get married to anybody. And um, I accepted that. <laughs> and I remember that I still wanted my life to mean something. So I was like getting ready to just do this big shift of no longer like looking. And um, this one day, I actually, it was a Facebook group that I 
had been a part of for about two years, but there was so much like conflict within its members that I sometimes didn't choose to continue to read like the comments and stuff. There would be like 300 comments on one post. Um, and most of them were people big <laughs> And so I decided to pull it up one day, um, get this notification. I read it. I roll my eyes. I scroll down a little bit and I see this post and I'm, it's kind of long, you know, really kind of long winded. <laughs> and so I'm kind of skimming through it. And I see Southern Utah. I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> so then I go back up at the top and I read the whole thing. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, there's there's some people here locally that, um, you know, this couple. And it didn't even occur to me like, oh, hey, maybe I could marry them. It was really just, hey, there's someone local. And um, so then my grandma and I decided to meet up with them. And so we met up. We ate together, we were just talking to them about their, you know, their path and what led them to here. And, you know, my grandma, she's lived it forever. And so she knows and she can give good advice. And I'm just here for moral support. <laughs> and uh, just like because I believe the same way. And it wasn't so then that week, or maybe for the next couple of weeks, we continued to just like get together and be friendly and go on picnics and it was a holiday weekend and we ended up going on a picnic together and then we're back at their house and we're sitting. Is that when we went up to Crafton? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So then we're sitting in the living room and I'm sitting across the way and my mom, my mom is there and my grandma's there and, and these two and my grandma's looking at Colton's priesthood lineage, making sure, you know, he's got a good line. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden my grandma says, well, you know, Sophie might be joining your family. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Wait a minute. I'm just like mortified. <laughs> like nothing had been said. Nobody had inched that way. We literally had not discussed it at all. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's kind of continuation from then. It was because it didn't really need to be discussed. It felt like we were just doing like we were just continuing to get to know each other and that there really didn't need to be a word said as to where it was going because we were all on the same page. So um, I want to put a pin in that because I want to ask how Tammy, how that was for you and how it was for you, Colton. But Sophie, you're also just another beautiful, bright face. Um, you, I want, I'm very curious when you're talking about your upbringing, how you made sense being both LDS and AUB, like, was there ever a conflict for you? Did you, because I've talked to people who have grown up with both, you know, and primarily LDS, and they're like, it was just always confusing. I always knew that I was in the lower law church or whatever. How, how was that for you? Does that make sense what I'm asking? So I would go to church and there was one Sunday that, um, that, the teacher was talking about one of the stories. I think it, I can't remember what it was, but, and she, it was a, there was a polygamist uh, relationship and she was explaining, you know, this was the first wife and this was the second wife and, and da, 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 da. And then she pauses her lesson and then she says, and that's back when polygamy was accepted. And I just remember sitting there listening to her and thinking, you have no clue, like, because my, I mean, my biological father has had multiple wives my whole life, like, so the understanding of it was just like, this is normal for me, 
And, but I also understood that it was controversial. So I didn't really talk to other people about my beliefs. Um, and I also didn't struggle with my beliefs until later. And so it was really just like, I knew it because it was peaceful and it was like the right choice for me. And there was, it wasn't up for discussion. I didn't struggle with being a part of the LDS church and being a part of a group because it was just this, it was what it was. Growing up, though, whenever somebody would find out that I was a polygamist, immediately they thought I was associated with Warren Jeffs. I had to know how to answer that question early on. <laughs> like, wait, who is this guy that they're talking about? And so then I had to learn who it was and then realize, oh, no, we're not associated <laughs> with him. And um, and explaining, you know, that's bad media. That's really the only understanding that I could, you know, dispute that with was, you know, that's the bad side. That's what draws out the media and seeing, you know, all the bad things about plural marriage. And so, yeah, it really just was never a question. The only question that it ever came up was when I, you know, I was 24 and I'm like, you know, I would be happy to be married monogamously. I would be happy to be married to whoever it is, as long as it's the right person. So even though I had the belief of living plural marriage, I just wanted what was right. And if I wasn't going to find that, then I was just going to be okay with not being married at all. <laughs> so let me but, ask a question because yeah. I have I have this theory and I want to know, Tammy, your response too, which is I actually think the people that struggle the most with polygamy outside of maybe evangelical Christians are uh, LDS women because we're taught that it's weird and wicked and gross and not, you know, it's like Warren Jeffs, but it's going to be in heaven. But I've noticed people that grew up with multiple moms, it's just normal, right? So it's, it. I, I often say to people who sort of clutch their pearls and say, we need to go rescue all these women. I'm like, actually, they're probably more fine with it than you think because <laughs> they've adjusted to it and you haven't. What do you guys think about that? I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. There is, I think definitely a learning curve with living for marriage mm-hmm. um I, I definitely felt like I felt that um I felt like with my testimony I felt like I was in a good place I felt like I was prepared to love plural marriage and when we met Sophie and she felt right to be in her family and I felt like this this is it you know this feels right this ticks all the boxes and, and it feels right and it fulfills what we we're asking from God. And then we got married and I had a huge struggle with all of the stereotypes. Um, they know it was so difficult for me. And when it was just us, I was okay with it, but going to the grocery store and just going and a lot of it, I have a lot of social anxiety myself anyways, and just feeling like everyone was watching me and everyone thought I was this weirdo now. And, And I just had all of the stereotypes associated with plural marriage that I had to wrestle and come to terms with and go, it doesn't matter. Those stereotypes don't have to be true. And they're not what I chose. What I chose was a beautiful plural family that we have these goals that we're working on and all those stereotypes don't belong here. Uh, but it was a really hard struggle for about a year to get through all of that for me. Especially because we grew up just over the hill from Short Creek. Yeah. No, and that's what, I, that's what I'm curious about too. So Tammy thinks, because I think that that sort of backs up what I'm thinking, which is 
when you're not familiar with it, I think it's more horrifying. And not to say, like, I don't want to diminish some of the terrible things that happen for the FLDS, the, the coercion, the forced marriage. I've been very uh, clear on that. But with with folks like you who choose this with a lot of thought and um, prayer and study and devotion, I just, it's hard for me to have people try to talk you out of your experiences, but I'm sure you've had that as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, I feel like with a lot of that, like coming to terms with those stereotypes, for me, the hardest struggle was personal. Um, you know, like going through and saying, because when we started, we would live this way independently and I had no background. I mean, the last polygamist in my family was four or five generations back. So I had no personal positive examples of plural marriage, um, aside from, you know, journals and things like that. And so I felt just lost. Like, what are we supposed to do? And I remember Colton saying, we can do whatever we want. And me coming from the background of the church, and I was like, but who's going to tell us what to do? What? Like, we just do what feels right? What does that mean? And having the struggle with that and finally being able to come to terms with that. And also the stereotypes of saying, I'm not, I'm not part of those stereotypes. We choose to be different than that. And, and also remembering that there's a lot of, bad relationships and other forms of marriage as well, monogamy, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of bad relationships and it comes down to the people in those relationships making those choices and you don't have to live by the stereotypes of that. I love that. And and Sophie, I want to hear what you think because I've heard it said over and over that being the second wife is the hardest because the second is the one that introduces the family into plural marriage. So is that true, especially growing up with your mom being a second? Um, can you can you talk about that for a minute? I would say yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, we all had kind of a, a come to Jesus moment after we got married because even though I had this belief system and I had been exposed to it, I was raised by a single mom. So I did not actually have a lot of experience living this lifestyle. And so coming into it, um, you know, Tammy struggling with the stereotypes of it, which we all know what they are. But then also, I just remember telling them, I remember saying, like, this is new for me, too. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm like, I, you know. I've never done this before, and I know that I've, like, been exposed to it, but I'm trying to think, like, I don't actually think that I've been exposed to the everyday polygamist. Um, you know, like, I knew a lot of people that were polygamists, but I had never been in their household throughout their day of what, you know, that looks like. And so um, that was a big struggle, especially because we felt like we weren't supposed to be a part of a group. Um, and so that means, you know, we don't really have somebody telling us what to do and, you know, what's, what's what and what needs to be which way. And so I just remember having these conversations with Tammy and yeah, I think I told you that was like, we can do what feels right for us. Like we, we don't, it doesn't have to look a certain way. And, um, yeah, so really we kind of just figured out. And 
that's not to say we didn't have any kind of guidance. I mean, we, 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 we studied the scriptures, yeah. and, you know, we we studied the, what is it, 27 rules. You know, we, we've read a lot about. Right. And we have a support system. My grandma and my mom, both very much behind our marriage. Um, the only difference is, is I would talk to them about certain things and then bring that into our relationship. Like, hey, this is, but then realize that it didn't apply, that it was not the same. Um, there were, like when we were courting, when we were in, I mean, we were kind of engaged. We had decided we were getting married and then we just realized that we kind of still had to have Colton propose to me. <laughs> and so, um, so my grandma, we were gonna, we were all three going out to look for a ring together. And my grandma told me, she's like, are you sure that's a good idea? I don't think Tammy's going to be okay with that. You know, just, just the whole thing, you know, the jealousy mentality of, of thinking that she wasn't okay with it. And then I was like, Oh, maybe it's not a good idea. Crap. I don't know. So then I just was like, you know, I should just ask her. So then I came to you and asked, I asked Tammy and she was completely fine with it. So seeing that, realizing that everything is not the same, you can't just stamp it on every single marriage that's in a plural marriage and also every person. And so I realized that even though my mom or my grandma had struggles with certain things in their plural marriages, that was going to be different for Tammy and I because Tammy is not the same person as, you know, their sister wives or whatever. And so we don't borrow problems. We learned that early on. <laughs> so somebody um, referred to, I think it's in uh, Polygamous Women's Writing Club. She talks about Mormon polygamy being multiple Mormon monogamies. But you guys seem pretty all united, the three of you. So how would you explain your family dynamic as it relates to your situation, as it relates to other plural families. Cause I know everyone does it different. Some people have plural wives in different homes in different cities, some in the same home. Um, what works for you guys? We started out in different cities. We lived in two different cities for the first two years of our marriage. And I think that was, well, I think we all agree that it was the right choice for our family at the time. We were trying to figure this out. There was a lot of new dynamics and, and not just with our personal family, but also with the social coming out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was there were a lot of things going on, and we just felt like it would be best to work through those things at our own pace, having the option to be separate a little bit. But then about two years into it, we got to a point where it was causing more problems than it solved to be so far apart from each other. And then at that point, we started looking into trying to find a home together, which we did. And, you know, recognizing when we moved in together, that was going to create all of its own bumps and, you know, hardships along the way, figuring that out. And I think we all came to realize that the main thing with polygamy is change and flexibility because we're all growing. And as long as we are willing to be kind to each other and allow that to grow how it needs to, we're all going to be moving in the same direction and be able to weather anything that happens. What would you say is the biggest challenge? Could you say like that for our family, plural marriage has brought this biggest challenge? 
Communication. For the first two years of marriage, actually right after we got married, there would be periods of time that Tammy and I didn't talk for two weeks. Not because we didn't want to talk, but we just were still living very different lives and we were trying to work towards building it together, but um, it was just really busy. Um, but our big problem in the very beginning was that Tammy and I were still getting to know each other. And so Colton had to be the go-between because we didn't know how to talk to each other. Well, not just that, but I'm really quite shy and I take a long time to open up to people. And there were so many other things going on with this new dynamic and I didn't know what to bank on. And as soon as we got married, all of those stereotypes came rushing back. And I just went, why is she here? Like, what is, what's her angle? Why is she here? What is she after? <laughs> and it was about six months after that, and I was on a date with Colton, and I'm like, why is she here still? And he was like, she just wants to be here. She wants to be here for no other reason. And it was just like this click, like, oh, like, she is. Like, she hasn't tried to do anything. She hasn't tried to push me. She really is just here because she wants to be part of our family. Okay, I can trust her. All right. <laughs> and then we started being able to talk. Sophie remembers what happened, and we started being able to talk and open up about these other things and have these good conversations and start to understand each other. And it was it took a long time to get there, but we were she was willing to recognize that I needed a little bit more time and space before I could open up about difficult topics and things and really be able to have the trust we needed to have open communication. We also, being that being, we allowed there to be time every single time we were together because it was few and far and in between. We felt like we had to climb mountains and like establish our relationship like immediately. And that was hard. And then we finally realized, hey, we have all the time in the world to establish this, to just let it grow and the dynamic of us being in two separate households happened upon us. I had just barely closed on buying a house. And so I wasn't going to immediately like turn around and sell it because, you know, it didn't make sense to. And so we just agreed, okay, that's okay. We'll do this for right now. We'll get things figured out. It'll allow us to kind of establish the relationship at a slow pace because I don't think that you should just throw everybody into a fire and hope that it works like right so that happened to be the dynamic a lot of people think that they're that if you're going to be a polygamist it has to look a certain way you have to live in the same house otherwise you're just living separately well we started out separately however we all wanted to be in the same home we recognize that there's only so many hours in the day and having children having both of us have children our goal together as a family was we wanted to be in the same house all together before, I mean, not necessarily before, but for the majority of our children's lives, we wanted to make sure that they could see their dad every day. So we wanted a oneness together before it got too crazy. Yeah. So thank you for answering that so honestly. And I, and I'm with you, not that I've lived this by any means, but what it, what I've seen, some of the best parts, I think, of polygamy for women are the, you know, the sister-wife relationships when they can rely on each other and, and find help with each other. And I think if you're, for women who don't get along, maybe living apart um, is probably the best thing. But 
it certainly seems like you guys are making a good a good choice for your family. Colton, um, I have a question for you that's really personal, but they say for men, the hardest part about polygamy is the splitting the intimacy. And I and I don't I'm not just talking about sex. I think it's just like like you guys said to boil it down to sex. Human sexuality doesn't change in monogamy and it doesn't really change in polygamy. But for you, this closeness, this intimacy, do you feel like you have to bifurcate it to be fair? I mean, is it is it a matter of how how do you do that? How do you make each wife feel valued? How how do you navigate all of that? I think one of the biggest struggles of polygamy for me is getting over the idea that everything has to constantly be fair. And I just had to come to this realization that things never will be fair. And I think of it a lot like a clock with a pendulum. It swings back and forth. And as long as I can keep it swinging at about the same rate, I feel pretty happy with it. And so far, they felt pretty happy with it, too. But, um, you know, it's really, it's not necessarily about keeping things equal in the sense of, like, I'm, like I've got all of their possessions and all of the intimacy that I have with them on the balance. And I'm making sure that that all lines up. It's really more just about meeting their needs. And, um, you know, they're patient with me and they understand that there are so only, only so many hours in a day. Um, you know, and I just do the best I can to meet their needs, whatever they are throughout the day. I think I want to add with that, too, um, that our needs are different. So Sophie is more outgoing and more social than me. And, you know, for us, you know, like our needs are different. Like I value my alone time a lot. <laughs> and so for me, him being able to provide, you know, taking Sadie for a walk or something so I can go read a book for a little while and just have my space is more valued to me than, if, you know, than maybe going, you know, on a date or, or out somewhere or something. And, and for Sophie, like being left alone a lot, would not be as pleasant <laughs> and you know she she likes having the company and the visiting and, and so to make it fair like would make it fair like if we were getting exactly the same thing but making sure that our needs are met and and that pendulum you know it's really important you know that's so interesting because as you're telling that i'm thinking of orderville the town where they tried the united order for like 10 years <laughs> and the thing that never occurred to me or them when they started it out was they thought, you know, fairness looked like everyone has the same shape plot of land. Yeah. Each land had different water and different terrain. And so it affected things and and they're like, Oh no, this is not how you make it fair. So it sounds like. I had quite a few few ancestors from Orderville. Oh, did you? I've read a lot about history. Probably yeah. all related. Your kids can call me auntie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you guys have talked about kind of how it works. Um, so I, I'm going to ask another kind of controversial question because I keep saying you're young and beautiful and I'm sorry to make it about that. But I think because you guys break that stereotype of, you know, why would young people gravitate towards us when most young people are leaving religion altogether? Uh, do you guys feel like that's not accurate in your experience? Do you feel like there are a lot of young people? Or do you guys feel like an anomaly? How, how do you guys experience that? You know, the interesting thing about that is that when I was going through that period of really bad depression and struggling with whether we were going to stay in the church or not, there was a time that I did, you know, that I had decided just to give up on religion. And, um, you know, 
But I realized when I did that I wasn't any happier than I was with the religion. Yeah. Um, and that I, kind of was what started me back on the path to gaining a testimony that ultimately led to my testimony of plural marriage. Yeah. So I, I, I lost my religion for a while. And so I think I can kind of relate to that. We haven't really been involved in the greater community in plural marriage enough to really know how that's affecting people our age outside there, you know, outside of us. I mean, we've got quite a few friends that are around our age that believe this way and that live this way. So do. I don't know. We've got a few. A few. A few. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know a lot of, mind you, I had not been a part of the AAB for a long time, but that's maybe where I would have the closest, you know, idea of other people my age. But I actually don't know maybe just a few as well, um, of all of the people that I, you know, went to youth events with that actually are still practicing their religion and or living in a plural relationship. There's a very small amount. And I certainly don't mean to, like, stand up on a mountain and proclaim our, our greatness by saying this, but in some ways I do think we're a little bit of a unique situation because we, you know, Tammy and I came from the same background. Sophie's from a pretty different background in some ways. And we did all just choose this. You know, none of us had to make the choice to be in plural marriage. It was a choice we could have easily all walked away from and, you know, and just gone about our lives. Um, but we did choose it. And, and I think that is a pretty unique situation. And well, it's part of the reason. About that because people, when they hear a man say that, I think it makes a lot of women angry. They're like, well, of course you did. What man wouldn't want two women? <laughs> What would you say to those? Tammy talked about the stereotypes, and I would say that those are primarily the stereotypes from men. Do you want to address any of those? I always say that if a man really wants to have multiple sexual partners, there are much easier ways to do that than plural marriage. <laughs> you know, and that's not to say, I mean, I'm sure there are men that do this and justify it with religion, and I think that's really disgusting. No, I but, think you know, that's a good answer. That's that's absolutely true in the experiences that I've seen. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I, I have no respect for plural marriage that isn't entered with the right intent. And our intent in living this way was not sexual. You know, it was there was nothing. I mean, that's an important part of my relationship with, you know, with both of these women, with both of these beautiful wives. But that was not the reason that we chose to live this way, you know. There, there would be much easier ways to get that if that was what I had wanted. Um, what I wanted was the faith. Go ahead. You're good. Sorry. No, there's a, I keep interrupting and there's a delay. Um, do you guys want to address that? Any of you, the women? Um, repeat the question. The, just the stereotype. Yeah, just like, do you guys have any thoughts on that, you know, polygamy is just a lustful thing for men, or it's a sexist thing, or, I mean, I'm just trying to, like, it's very patriarchal, which is the it, thing that I struggle with, with it. So, while we believe it's patriarchal, we also believe that we all chose this, and it, like what Colton said, any one of us could walk away at any point if we're not happy. Um, we don't do this because somebody else told us to. Um, the reason why I choose to live this is because, yes, I was around those statements of it's a refiner's fire and, um, you know, it refines you. And I had all of these statements in my mind going into it, but didn't truly understand it until we were living it. But 
the reason why I believe this is such a good lifestyle to live is because it truly helps you to be selfless. It truly causes you to think about someone else other than yourself, especially because when, when you have a male and a female, they have very, very different needs or wants or things that they, you know, need in a relationship or throughout their life. But when you have two females that are coming at, you know, that are kind of standing in a similar role in a marriage, you do have to put yourself in their shoes because it, the marriage doesn't work without it. Um, and so for me, it's very much a refinement of just my person, my, my humanness, you know, refining the human in me to being a better person and treating others better and understanding other people. When I first married Tanya and Colton, I had never been around an introverted person in my life. And when I came in, I might be extroverted and, and loud when I get into, you know, a just company, I guess. Um, but when I came into this, I knew that she was quiet and I felt like I needed to just sit down and listen. And so it really caused me to help refine myself in understanding another person, you know, a different type of person that I wasn't familiar with. So living this way every single day causes different dynamics, different circumstances that we have to navigate. And that's the challenge and that's the refinement right there. I, you know, having struggled a lot with the stereotypes and I feel like all of that can be true if you don't consent 100% to what you're doing first. And if you don't do it with faith in mind. And for us, we have spent years learning about polygamy and figuring out what that will look like, all of the, all of the history behind it, all of the religion behind it, and finding that testimony for ourselves before we came together. And I feel like, I feel like we work really hard to make sure the stereotype doesn't happen, doesn't come to pass. And I think we take pride in show, being able to show that it doesn't have to be that way. We work really hard to get here. And it's taken all of us making sure and keeping each other on track and making sure we listen to each other so that we make sure we don't, you know, have any of that happen. And, you know, it's, a lot of hard work. Anyone who wants to look plural marriage just for, you know, the freebie of it for whatever freebie you're after, there's much better, easier ways to get freebies. So <laughs> just saying. Well, and, you know, another moniker that I'm sure you've heard for plural marriage is patriarchal marriage or the patriarchal order marriage. And I know that patriarchy is really frowned upon these days. I don't necessarily view our version of patriarchy, I think, quite the way a lot of other people do, because I don't see my position in the family as being a dictator or being a tyrant. It's not my place to say, Tammy, this is what you have to do. Sophie, this is what you have to do. In a lot of ways, I almost kind of think of us as being more like a city council. And my job on that council, maybe, as, you know, as the mayor and the family, is just to cast tie-breaking votes. It's really what I do, you know? They, I, I mean, every decision we make in our family, we discuss as a family. We find out where everybody is. And then, you know, we just work it out from there. 
And even then, there is no tiebreaker because every decision we make together is unanimous. <laughs> and and I mean, that's not to say we don't have disagreements about stuff because we do definitely. have disagreements all the time. We definitely do, but we value finding that compromise and making sure that everyone's need gets met, and no one's left behind going, "Well, I didn't want this, but you two did." You know, there's no, it's not. A, you know, most popular vote or whatever. It's not two against one. Right, exactly. That's one. <laughs> um, you know, it's we work hard to make sure that everyone's needs are met, even if that's compromising or just not doing something. What would you guys want people to know? Like, if, if there's something you want people to know about you, your family, your lifestyle, what is it that you wish people could understand that you don't think people understand? The main reason that we decided to do a television show and put ourselves out publicly was to change the law. You know, the law in Utah that recriminalized polygamy as a felony. You know, I know a lot of people have discussed that. That was the main reason we decided to do a television show. And changing that law, as you well know, you know, from your involvement in it was accomplished this spring, uh, which was an amazing thing. And um, we kind of came a little late on the scene. You know, we didn't really end up playing much of an impact in it other than just talking about it and, you know, writing legislators and stuff like that. But I think I just want people to know that we're, you know, there is no criminal intent in this. There is no abuse in this. We're just trying to live our lives. We've all consented to, to be here. Um, and we're happy, you know, and we're seeking happiness. So We were not brainwashed. I, say, I think your letter helped. I do. I think it was, very emotional and heartfelt and I think it made a difference for people. You know, I and I understand that there have been a lot of people that have suffered a lot of you know horrific abuse in polygamy. And that's, you know, not to diminish or try and erase their experiences at all. But we mostly just wanted people to know that that's not the truth for everybody. Right. And that there shouldn't be a law condemning a family like ours that have all chosen and consented willingly to do this. Yeah, getting rid of the the blanket stereotype and and things, I think, was definitely something that we all really valued, being able to show people. I mean, we work really hard for our relationship together. And, you know, to have someone say, you know, to someone try and come and say, like, well, you didn't mean it. You're just been brainwashed. You know, like, it really undervalues the work that we put into our relationship. We try really hard. And and to just have that kind of just be thrown away is kind of bad. Yeah, we I, had a lot of backlash in our community when we first came out publicly. You know, there was, I mean, there were a lot of people that sent us kind of nasty messages and nasty emails, and we heard all sorts of rumors, you know, behind our backs and things like that. And that was a really hard time for us. And I think that was kind of what spurred us into deciding to open up more publicly about it. Mm-hmm. Because we wanted people to understand. I recognized. Um, so when we were approached by the television show, and I'm coming from this, you know, this this group mentality of we keep our heads down, and realizing after we got married, I was in the shower one day, and it just like came to me, like, oh my gosh, I'm living an illegal lifestyle. <laughs> like, whoa. And so then I just kind of had this fear, this this generational fear overcome me because I didn't have any specific examples or 
experiences that would really cause me to have that fear other than just what had happened previously, you know, up, up my line. And Colton felt like we should do the show. And I'm like, but we could just keep our heads down forever and it would be okay. We would be okay. We don't need to do this. And then I realized, hey, you know what? We do look different than the polygamists that I do know. So then I, you know, prayed about it. We talked about it for many, many months before we finally decided to proceed. And I just realized that, yeah, we, we are a different picture of plural marriage. You guys came from the church. I, you know, came from a group, but I was also a part of the church and you guys chose to live this freely. There was no brainwashing. There was no someone telling you that you had to live this way. So I realized that if we chose to be vulnerable and open up, that it could possibly be a good thing. And I think that overall, it's been a good experience for us. And, um, you know, we, we're much happier being out in the open with our belief system than hiding who we are. And I think one big struggle we've had with the show is, you know, when we come into a podcast with this, you know, like this with you, we know you're looking for the truth. And we really appreciate that because there are a lot of people out there that are just looking for a story and they will take what we say and they'll spin it for their story. I don't know if the show is entirely accurate in the way it portrayed us. I think they did an all right job, but what it gave us was a voice and it gave us the recognition behind that voice that, you know, people know who we are now and they know that, you know, they know where we stand on this issue. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think that that's, that's the hard part. You know, I have some polygamists who don't like the work that I'm doing because, you know, I will, I have a hard line on abuse and incest and underage marriage and stuff like that. Even if you have an ordinance and ritual around it, you know, yeah. be opposed to that. But, you know, I was just reading Juanita Brooks again. It was funny because she was involved in the 1953 raid in Short Creek. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting in, you know, from St. George watching this happen. And she wrote this beautiful op-ed and she wrote a few letters about it. And she said, you know, when we talk about her own grandfather, Dudley Levitt, who is an ancestor of mine as a polygamist, when he was running from the government, it ha- she said it had this sparkle of magic when we talk about it. Like, oh, Dudley running from the government, the grandpa's in the striped pajamas. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's like these these base criminals, these awful people coming mm-hmm. from LDS. And I've had to... I. I dance with those contradictions because I have seen the darkness from some of these communities. But again, I would attribute most, most of those things to the lack of resources, the being pushed underground. And so I think you guys bringing, like you said, the truth of your experience to light is one of the healthiest things that can be done. And that's why I appreciate you guys talking about the complications too, because I think people will hear this and it will be uncomfortable because they if you gave just a shiny picture of it, it's easily dismissed, right? Like, oh, they're just telling a story. But yeah, I think that you guys talking about the work, as you cause it, called it, it's work. Relationships are work. And I know plenty of unhappy Mormon monogamous marriages that struggle far more than, than a lot of plural marriages. And that's hard for people to wrap their heads around. Definitely. For sure. But the truth is disruptive, and so I appreciate that. And and I want to point out to listeners that these guys are human people and human relationships, and so they're recording this, you know, in 2020 and during the middle of a pandemic, 
who knows what your life is going to look like in 10 years. You guys might have a completely different path or you might have more to your family or who knows. And so I would just ask, you know, listeners to allow you to live your journeys, how, how you do, because that's what we all want. And I think, um, especially as you guys are on TV, it'll be hard because you're putting yourself out there publicly for criticism. And Mm -hmm. we have experienced some of that. It hasn't (laughs) always been easy, but yeah, they always say don't read the comments, but it's hard to not read the comments sometimes. (laughs) I'm sure you know, (laughs) it's, it's been hard. But I think our biggest thing is live and let live. You know, we decided to become public to just share who we are, but that doesn't mean that we think that you should be this way or, you know, we just wanted to be open and, you know, open to criticism, open to people picking apart our lives, to seeing who we are. And then also us telling them, hey, we we support you too. Live and not live. Accept mm-hmm. us for who we are. And we'll accept you for who you are and what you want to do and what makes you happy. As long as that doesn't cause harm to another person. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, That's a good way to end, I think. Unless you guys had anything else that you want to share. We can always bring you back on and we can talk about more stuff. Yeah, I just really appreciate you guys coming on. And if there's anything else you guys want to say. I think that's good for this time. If you decide you want to do it in the future, let us know. But we're, How, we're always happy to talk. People follow you or contact you. Um, I want everyone to see your cool Southern Utah farming posts. They're really. <laughs> we do have a blog. We have a blog and we have a family Facebook page and a family Instagram. And our blog is thewinderfamily.com. And on Facebook, I think if you just search the Winder family, you can find us there. Or as Instagram. well as Instagram. We yeah. share a lot of our farming pictures on Facebook and Instagram both. So And our blog is where you can get a lot of juicy content because when we decided to become public, we also were advised by a lot of our friends, you know, how the reality TV industry picks apart your words and things like that. So we decided to start a blog to share it straightforward, you know. Straight not, from our mouths. From our mouths, not a picked apart version. So we actually have a lot of a lot of content on there that we took some time and made lots of posts about different things and different stereotypes and just a lot of stuff about us so that you can really get a close look at what we are all about. Perfect. We'll make sure we link to that and anything else um, that people can contact you with. But thank you again so much for agreeing to come on. The song you just heard is called My Disguise by Mikkel Douse. Her album is available for purchase on iTunes or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.